Watch this immediately. Watch this immediately. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Watch This Immediately, the one podcast that revels in exposing the inadequacies of its hosts. Me, I'm one of those hosts. My name is Stephen Krause, and with me is the type of guy who says pudding is delicious. And you're here. Yes. Pudding is delicious. Exactly. You're the type of guy who would say that. (laughs) And today... We have a special treat for you. Munir, this was your choice. Correct. Tell us all about it. Ice Cube's 1992 album, The Predator. Now, this was the soundtrack album to the film of the same name. (laughs) I don't think so. Oh. (laughs) I hope not. I completely misunderstood. I had... have like a dark side of the rainbow thing going on with this. I watched it last night. Everything matches up pretty well. <laughs> okay, well, you're the you've discovered something new that the internet has not. So congratulate yourself on that. I feel like in the internet of infinite possibilities, which is the internet we're stuck with, somebody has synced this up with Predator and Predator Two and made extensive notes. <laughs> they probably also committed a mass shooting, but yeah, yeah. Been a couple of yoga studios that are no longer in existence. Yeah, it's not great. So the predator, but yeah, I mean, you know, the album itself is uh, is an interesting relic of its time. It's very much of its time. Yeah, but also timeless. Yeah, uh, which is very it, strange. It tells you what the feeling was right after the riots in LA in 1992. With a lot of present day for the time cultural references. Oh yeah, for sure. Chris Cross was uh, name checked as well as their hit Jump. Yeah. Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Glass Joe. Yes. <laughs> there are a lot of early '90s references there. I mean, you know, that's that's how rap is. Rap is a music of its time. Usually. Uh, rap is definitely very much a pulp cult, pop cultural barometer mm-hmm. of sorts. Mm-hmm. And so it is definitely steeped in the culture of its time. Yeah. I mean, this album, uh, if I had to give it one word, it'd be anger. Oh, yeah. Super anger. This is easily the angriest of the albums that you've assigned to me. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think I probably enjoyed it more than any of the other ones that we've tackled so far. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because you are unbridled rage in its purest form. I am an angry person. Yeah. I am I'm the Lewis Black of correct, Midwestern correct. white guys. <laughs> um, no, I, anger is something that I deal with easier in music than... Uh, I'm going to call it pissiness. Yes, correct. Um, Because not not so much the the chronic, but All Eyes on Me and um, Ready to Die. Yes. Those were were very pissy albums. Mm. Those were albums by the guy that you're kind of friends with, but he's really rude to the waitstaff, and he doesn't leave a tip because there wasn't enough butter for the rolls. Mm-mm-mm. What a a dick. And And he made those albums. Yeah, fair. I mean, this was just... This is rage. I'm super angry about what has happened, about these these white police officers being acquitted yeah. after there was, like, video footage. 
and uh, I'm going to put my feelings on on compact disc. And that makes more sense to me. Yeah. Because the the other albums, at least All Eyes on Me and Ready to Die, were of that of that ilk of you were I went to your house and you weren't nice to me mm. and I'm going to write a song about how I'm over that when I'm clearly not mm. this this was much more serious this is rage this is yeah. CNN for the streets correct this is I'm I'm really into public enemy so well you know th- this was more in line and the, the first out al- or the first two songs on the album essentially just sounds like he's trying to ape Chuck D oh no no like the, dude Ice Cube has a well-documented history with the public enemy. As far as, like, the Bomb Squad um, produced his first uh, first album. Okay. And so, you know, that was, like, when he left NWA, he went out east to get uh, to get his Amer- Amera KKK's Most Wanted. Great title. <laughs> but, <laughs> they, yeah, the, the first two songs in particular, I'm like, this just... Yeah. I'm, I'm here for it, but this just sounds like public It's enemy. very bombastic. Love it. So good. But, you know, there's definitely some, some uh, cro- like, kind of chronic influences as well. It does seep in. Mm-hmm. I did notice that the further I got into the, yeah. the album, it's just it started out very old school and mm-hmm. kind of melded some new school stuff into it the further it went along. It seems like right. a lot of... It seems like a lot of attention went into the sequencing and tracking of this album. Oh, yeah, for like sure. As to how it would play out, because it did really feel like a journey from start to finish. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, you you know, and, and this is one of the few albums where I would say that uh, the skits were actually kind of effective. To the point I didn't really, except for the very first one, I didn't really even think of them as skits. The, well, yeah. The first one was kind of a weak way to start the album. I understand why it's there, mm-hmm. but... Um, yeah, they they didn't even really. They were so angry they didn't come off as skits to me. No, it was like the the, the I think it was, I think it was Farrakhan towards the end who says like you know about how he likes South Africa better than America because South Africa practices what they preach. That was a biting and frankly relevant yeah. <laughs> criticism. Yeah. Um, I mean, apartheid was not yet over. I don't think in 1992 was it. I think. Well, I don't know. It may have been in the it, process of being unwound, perhaps. Yeah, I think so. It, mm-hmm. it definitely wasn't an overnight thing, but I, yeah. Nelson Mandela was out at that point. Okay, okay. Because um, okay. that was late 80s, early 90s. Um, yeah, I want to say early 90s, probably, was when apartheid was, was done for. I don't know. This we'll is look not it an up. apartheid history podcast. We yeah. won't do that. But, but uh, you know, I would say that ra- like race relations and things like that were very much on, on the mind of Ice Cube. And with good cause. And, uh, well, so the album before this one, Death Certificate, mm-hmm. it, had a, uh, it had a skit on it, which was very controversial, called Black Korea. Go on. And so it's basically the skit where a, a Ice Cube-like figure goes into a Korean um, uh, corner store in the hood and shoots the Korean owners because... Jesus. 
they're because you know Ice Cube and 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 the other folks were unhappy that there was like all this Korean encroachment into their neighborhoods. That was unexpected. Yes, and so that's why like there's that one skit where they keep on saying, you know, well, what do you have a problem with? And they say that you know anti-Semitic, anti-Korean. That's what where that comes from. Okay. And the anti-Semitic stuff is probably tied to like the Nation of Islam. Because, you know, Louis Farrakhan is not not known as a friend to the Jewish community. That is accurate. Yeah, and so, yeah, you know, there's there was definitely some some spillover of, like, different like uh, grievances and controversies from Death Certificate to this album. But, you know, again, Death Certificate was released in 1991. This was 92, so this was a very, I mean, it was very, very shortly after, um, the Death Certificate album. So you're having a pretty productive time. Yeah, you know, now that I think about it, America's Most Wanted came out in 1990, Death Certificate 91, this came out in 92, and then he did um, Lethal Injection, I believe, in 93. And so, yeah, it was four albums in four years, I think. Damn. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, then I think he took a bit of a hiatus, like he went and made Friday, and... Uh, Never had to work again. No, well, no. Then became a a cuddly uh, a cuddly father figure. And are we there yet? It's hard to be the the picture of rage in your country when you've made Friday. And I know, I know. Have made a ton of money off of that. Yeah, good on him. Right, for sure. For being able to do that, I, I wish Ice Cube success. It's just, yeah, your your career is going to change. But he, point. you know, he became a, a much, much more, I guess, club oriented figure after Friday came out. Mm-hmm. You know, like his later songs, like "We Be Clubbing." <laughs> that's that's not very imaginative, but okay. Yeah, you know. And, and and then of course you know he has the barbershop movies which very solid I love them all and uh, yeah I mean now he's the uh, commissioner of the big three is that still going on yeah yeah I think so right. yeah but uh, you know I mean it, it's not it's not a bad concept I've seen the play it's it's trash <laughs> because they're like all super old right. I mean the only guy who actually does kind of okay in, in that league is Mahmoud Abdul Rauf but I mean he was blackballed from the NBA for not standing up for the national anthem so he was kind of like ahead of his time anyway so he's I feel like he probably just kept in shape for many years to, waiting for his for his redemption and the big three provided him with that <laughs> well they should do it um, like uh, man what was that movie we saw Uncle Uncle Ted or something. It was a basketball movie. Oh, Uncle Drew. Uncle Drew. They should do it Uncle Drew style and have just they're just playing on the in the schoolyard. Hell yeah. Just get like sponsor like get the um, sponsors to sponsor a local high school and like rebuild the local high school. Give it a really um, give it a bomb ass court. But yeah. before all this happens, they play on the shitty court that they have outside. <laughs> And that's where the entire Big Three tournament will take place. Then <laughs> I would not miss a moment of that. Oh hell no! You got you got these like fifty and sixty year old dudes like walking around. That'd be the best. <laughs> I would pay for whatever the you know the Directv package is for that. Hell yeah! And I'd be like, you guys want to watch the Big Three? We are not leaving the couch all weekend. I mean, 
you know, it's a, it's, it's a decent concept, and it's basketball when there is no other basketball around. Look, it's decent. I'm, I'm offering for a way to make it perfect. Nice. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Just but, take it around to different places. Be like, hey, we're in Peoria, Illinois this year. I feel like, don't they do that? Like, so over the, over the pandemic... I feel like they conducted everything in a bubble in, like, the Bahamas or something. That's not acceptable. Yeah. I mean, these are all guys who have made, made their money. I understand. That's why I need to see them on the schoolyard. Okay. Fair. I need to see them at, uh, well, my grade school is no longer there. Neither is my junior high. Um, but some old grade school or old junior high, old high school... Hell yeah! It's just got uh, you know. Doesn't even have doesn't even have a net. <laughs> you just have to keep an eye on it, make sure it went in. <laughs> so you probably like just hire some kid to just like hang out under the under the hoop. You know, like, yeah, it went in. How do I think about it? I think over the pandemic there was like this, uh, like in New York City, I believe they uh, they took all the nets down from the uh, basketball hoops to discourage people from going out and playing. Yeah. That didn't stop us when we were kids. No, no, apparently, I mean, yeah. But I think that just people were like, oh, man, there's no net. Like, I'm not going to be able to make any buckets. Kids I'm just are, staying away. Kids are soft, man. When I was a kid, none of the public ones had any net on them or anything. Well, I mean, you know, the... Had to be honest. New York City uh, basketball hoops are different. All chain link. So they, can't, they can't be having, like, regular cloth. No, we didn't have cloth. I'm telling you, we did not have nets. <laughs> Look, it's different out east, okay? I don't think it is. I mean, you're in, you're on that blacktop, man. You got to be able to. We just... had blacktop. We just didn't have nets. No, I mean, there's there's something about New York. It's like pizza. The basketball is different over there. I think they're just soft. They expect to have nets. We didn't expect nets. Nobody gave us shit. Look, have you, we have, were on the mean streets of Kansas, and we could live without a net. We have heard ad nauseum about New York City point guards. I've never heard about a Topeka point guard. New York City, I'm calling you out. All right. Well, you know, you're going to you do never, You never heard about a Topeka point guard because we weren't allowed to play in the league. <laughs> they were like, this is going to destroy us. They know how to play without a net. They can keep score without the... Tr- they can, Look, disgraceful. This is just disrespectful. I want to see a, a white chocolate-like figure coming out of Topeka. We had black people in Topeka. No, no, no. White chocolate was a white dude, but he had like a lot of swag. That's why it was called white chocolate. I'm just telling you. Yeah. You're you're assuming that because it was in Kansas, there was only white people. I'm, I'm, no, I know there are black Topeka people. Was I live a here great, too. Topeka was a great melting pot. Let's not get carried away. <laughs> I mean, the area that I lived in was not, but Topeka as a whole had other cultures. Well, anyway, Ice Cube. Yeah, back to this. So, you know, I'll kind of go through just the general themes of the album. So, like, you know, you start off, he's in jail. It's the first day. As, over, spreading his cheeks. Right. Coughing twice. Mm-hmm. And the, and then it goes straight into uh, into when will they shoot one of my fave songs ever. It's a great song, damn good song. That was yeah, that was really good. Just the beat, 
the lyrics, it's all on point, man. Nobody raps fast anymore. That's no. one of the things that really got me about this. Yeah. There's some fast rapping on this, and well, I miss yeah. that. Well, you know, there's, like, Das Effects is on here later, and they start, they, they tried to do that, but it was, it was not the best. Mm. And what I like about, uh, I mean, to, speaking of that Das Effects song, Check Yourself, I actually don't like the remix, which was uh, the beat from The Message. I like this beat better mm. that's on the album. Anyways, but you know, we go through like just initially there's that bombastic, like, you know, this is like, when will they shoot? And then, you know, it talks about now I'm going to have to kill you. You know, we're going to have to tear up the city. And then, you know, you, uh, towards the end of the album, got a little unfocused mm-hmm. because well, like Gangster's Fairy Tale, Fairy Tale 2. Fun song, one of my faves, but thematically was a little off. Which one is that? I've... The one with the little kid in in the beginning, where Ice Cube was talking about like all the different uh, characters from like the fables and nursery rhymes. I might have only listened to it once. Oh, okay. That's that's an okay song. I like it. But um, the part that I. Like, listening to it now, that was, like, really kind of stark, was the last song where, you remember at the end, they've got that cop, like, you know, they're, they're uh, like, Ice Cube raps, and then, then there's almost like a skit instead of a chorus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got the, the cop kind of, like, coming up to the car and asking about donuts. Yeah. <laughs> The album ends with, with them shooting him. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, oh, yeah, there's tons of donuts in here. Come on in, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. It's fine. Don't worry. And they just hear... <laughs> Given the controversy around Ice-T, Cop Killer, um, and I think Cop Killer came out in 93, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember exactly. I remember the Fuhrer, but I don't remember. Yeah, so I, I feel like maybe this set the stage a little bit, and uh, and Ice T was like, "Okay, well, I'm just gonna like you've opened the door. I'm just gonna open, walk yeah. through it." And so, yeah, like the fact that it starts off with him in jail and it ends with the cop being killed is that's yeah, pretty pretty decent juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it brought to mind. Um, Pink Floyd, in the sense that it felt like a very real attempt was made to create a soundscape. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And a, if not specifically a narrative, a thematic narrative from yeah. front to back. Well, and I think that it was a, it's the last song. It is very much like, sounds like something that could have come off the chronic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because it's got, it's got that much more smooth West Coast sound. Whereas, yeah, you're, as you said in the beginning, it's much more bombastic. It's a public enemy style production. And, you know, like I'm just going to say, like, for me personally, this was the first CD that uh, we owned in my house. I convinced my sister to purchase it. That blows my mind. <laughs> Still cannot picture her listening to this. But <laughs> as the first CD did have, like, a little place of honor. I mean, a little plaque. Eventually, she just gave it to me because she didn't really like it. 
<laughs> that tracks. After after uh, you know she acquired some more CDs from Columbia House, she was like, oh "God." She was like, "Here you go. Um, I, I no longer require this one." I'm just gonna <laughs> put it was a good day on tape and move on. Yeah, she 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 uh, she wants to do a tantrum while playing the greatest hits of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It was not the. It was, she was unhappy, and so she was in her room, turn turned up the boombox with uh, with Red Hot Chili Peppers greatest hits. I still even I still remember even then I was like this is. This is strange. I will remember this later. <laughs> I, I don't know. I hope it helped her work through that tantrum. I don't understand. I mean, she's not doing great these days, so I don't think it We did. can't blame the Chili Peppers for that. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, they could only do so much with Catholic schoolgirls rule. Yeah, fair, fair. Behind the Sun, that's a good song, too. That was solid. Yeah. That was solid. So, yeah, like with this, uh, with this album, you know, I think just... To, to get back to the to the general discussion, you know, I was I, I just remember listening to this album over and over and over um, my entire uh, ninth grade year. That is the angriest year. Yes, for real. Yes, in a child's life, it it, 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 it is the perfect time to get into an album like this. Exactly, it, it it really spoke to me, you know, because yeah, like, and even now there'll be times when. Like just snippets from this, from this uh, song, like that stalking, walking my big black, black big black boots uh, sample from the first song. Mm-hmm. When will they shoot? It'll just like come up in my in my head because I listen to it so much. Just it's one of those things where like it's just uh, like indelibly imprinted into me. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I I did not really start to appreciate rap beyond Run DMC until I was in college. But mm-hmm. um, in my ninth grade year, I discovered Metallica because that was yeah. when Metallica hit. And so yeah. it was like, yes, rage. This is great. Um, I still like the stuff about sex from, you know, that I just discovered before, and I'm still going to like that afterward. But right now I just need anger because mm. <laughs> I hate everything about the world and everything in it. Mm. Um, I need somebody else to express my rage for me because I, I don't know why I'm angry. I just know that I'm a kid and I'm angry. And something yeah. like this would have been perfect if somebody would have played this for me and just sat me down and been like, you know what? Just hear it. You might like it. You, mm-hmm. know, you don't have to specifically relate to it. You don't have to relate to art to appreciate it necessarily. Yeah. Um, I think I would have appreciated it back then if somebody would have shepherded me through it. But, but like, it's something that just existed. It was not something I was ever going to right. give a shot back then. But you know, when like now I got a wet shirt, I was like, yeah, you know, sometimes you just do this have to kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> Considering the people you've had to deal with at work the last couple of weeks, I think that's accurate. Uh, that's true. God. No, I'm I'm older and wiser now. That's not a that's not a an impulse anymore, but yeah, like when I was listening to this, I go, I could have really use this album last week. Mm-hmm. Because you, you should, know, uh, you should get yourself an old school CD player. Hell yeah! And just a copy of this CD, have it on your desk at work. <laughs> well, even the cover, man, it's like so. In the first two albums, Ice Cube's face is very clearly visible. Mm-hmm. And in this one, 
it was it was him and like uh, like the mask from Scream almost. Like you couldn't make his face out on on the album. And and then I mean even Lethal Injection was him uh, from from behind. So I wonder if you know that also if that meant anything or if that was just a stylistic choice he made. I don't know. Maybe he was trying to get away from the Phil Collins comparisons. <laughs> Managed Ape and Phil Collins style. Yeah, it's like we're gonna call you Easy Lover from now on. It's like we know you can't hurry, love. You don't need to tell us, Phil Collins mm. Cube. We're aware that no jacket is required. So yeah, you know. So as I said, like even if you had not liked this album, I would have been like, you know what? This is like my uh, Big Trouble in Little China. This is just something that perhaps I was into as a youth because of like when it entered my life. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, this it it is very much. Well, first of all, it, it's it's undeniable. It's a good album. Mm. It's a very good album. Mm. It's probably a great album. Mm. But uh, it is as relevant today, sadly. Oh hell yeah! As it was back then. And that's yeah. You could you could definitely play "When Will They Shoot" and some of the other songs here that were more militant. Uh, yeah, about current events, as you said. Yeah, and that's it's disappointing. I I hate when um, I hate when something that covers these kind of topics reveals to us just how little we've traveled the path. Oh no, there's um, there's been a huge social aggression in this country since I came here, man. But it is a, you know, it it is a valid album mm-hmm. and it is, it's a definitely entertaining album. It's um, great flow, great rhymes. Well, you know, Ice Cube, he's, that, that's the one thing you can never put on him is like, he always has had a wonderful flow. And, well, I was just... I was concerned because I had never, with the exception of um, it was a good day mm. and like uh, straight out of Compton, mm-hmm. I had not heard much Ice Cube. Mm. And so I was like, oh God, is this going to be another thing like um, like Notorious B.I.G. where I'm like, wow, I fucking hate everything about this guy's rhythm and his voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it was, it was not that at all. I found him very entertaining. You know, and he's he's proven himself to be a fairly a, like adept at changing styles because he he did go into some of like I think a different flow after Friday came out. Like I don't believe that sonically or or even like with the way he phrased or his pacing that uh, 1998 Ice Cube was similar to 1992 Ice Cube. Well, post Friday, I can't. I can't hear the man who is in Friday coming out with this. Oh yeah, no, I don't, Not at just all. can't. I'm I'm assuming that maybe he slowed it down a little bit, just because that was the style at the time. Yeah, you know the the because nobody raps fast anymore. It's like Tech Nine and nobody else. Early like early '90s, I think that was still a thing. But yeah, like Lethal Injection. If you listen to that album, it's very kind of mellow and chill, mm. and. Um, it's definitely got a lot more of that chronic style influence, you know, the, 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 the synthesizers kind of wailing, things like that. 
So, I mean, Ice Cube, if nothing else, is a creature who adapts to the times. Mm. Although, um, you know, he had a feud with Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill was mentioned in this album. I, I didn't catch well, no, whether see, it was a, a diss. No, no, it wasn't a diss. Okay. Because I, I believe DJ Muggs, um, he did, uh, I think he he produced, I think, Make It Rough. But no, Ice Cube and, uh, and Cypress Hill were great friends initially. Did Cypress Hill invite Ice Cube over to their house and then treat him very badly? Well, no, here's what happened. Because I'm shutting this podcast down right now, if that's what happened. So, uh, it's funny you should mention Friday so much. Because um, there was a feeling amongst the members of Cypress Hill that Cube had stolen one of their beats for his song Friday. Okay. And so this led to... um, (sighs) This led to Cypress Hill releasing a diss track... And then Ice Cube, when he joined Westside Connection, released a second diss track. And I think I think Cypress Hill just came back, but it was like by then it was kind of everyone forgotten about it. But Cypress Hill's diss track was pretty solid, man. That was on their Temples of Boom album. I still I still like to listen to it on occasion because they do not hold any punches back. All right. With apologies to Cypress Hill, Ice Cube matters more than they do. Yeah. You know who else he had beef with? Hmm. Common. I didn't know anybody had beef with Common. I thought everybody got along with Common. No, Common was a, was a battle rapper back in the day. Oh, okay. I get he's he's changed his uh, his his image has evolved so much. Oh, yes, he hasn't necessarily yes. changed it, but it no, has no. evolved so much that he's just like this guy everybody loves. No, no, no. He he uh, he actually released a diss track. So um, Ice Cube, uh, he was on the album of his protege Mac 10 and he said something to the effect of I'm bombing on Chicago and word hit the fence and uh, Common was like nobody disrespects Chicago (laughs) (laughs) and he released a song called the bitch in you (laughs) you should listen to it it's great but he like absolutely eviscerates ice cube I might actually just play it for you after we finish this. I'm, I'm down for that. Because, yeah, like, like rap beefs, man, are not given enough, uh, enough attention. And Ice Cube has been in two very, very high-profile rap beefs. It's, I, I just can't take it serious. <laughs> I just can't. Well, I mean, after... It's all just... You hurt my feelings, man. After, my feelings. After Death Wish, when, when, when you know, the DJ... Or, yeah, Death Wish, when DJ Quick was accused of wearing a khaki bikini. I mean, come on. Come on. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just can't. I can't. <laughs> can't do it. But, yeah, so, I mean, you know, that's that's also kind of the vibe. Because Bitchin' You was released, I believe, in 1993. By common, and yeah, like there was there was very little love lost, and, and you know, like Westside Connections album is just them like just dissing everybody in sight for like uh, probably I don't know seventy five minutes, and so yeah, I mean it's it's, it's like very inflammatory an endurance test. It's very inflammatory, <laughs> but you know that was Ice Cube's personality, and like 
I feel like in a sense, so Westside Connection came out right after Friday. And to your point, Ice Cube had a very mellow image at that point. Like, people said, what happened? This angry young man has become this super chill stoner? Like, what's, what's up here? I feel like maybe... It's like, you know, when someone goes too far the other way on something. You overcorrected. Yeah. Like, I got to remind people that I'm a real asshole. Yes, exactly. Because mm-hmm. if you listen to West Side Connections album, you're like, man, you just like hate everyone. <laughs> he was like, I gave you people the new Coke for too long. Mm-hmm. I got to give you the Coke classic. Yeah. But, you know, then after West Side Connection, he chilled out for a couple of years, made some movies and decided that. He'd rather be clubbing. Yeah, well, because you cannot... Maybe you can be the guy who made Friday and release some, like, super hardcore stuff, but you cannot be the guy who made Are We There Yet. Correct. And Correct. And Correct. then release this album. No, no, no. So far before. No, I, I'm aware of that. I'm oh, saying yeah, yeah. you cannot be... You cannot do Are We There Yet or Are We Done Yet. Correct. Much less both of them. <laughs> and then be like... Here's this album. I feel like the, there should be a third one called, like, Are You My Dad Yet? Because <laughs> that was, wasn't that the whole conceit of it? Like, he's trying to get with the mom, so he's on this, like, like road trip with the kids. I I admit, I checked out very quick okay. into Are We There Yet? And I, I only know that Are We Done Yet exists. Fair, 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 fair. But yeah, so, you know, that being said, I think we're ready for our... our uh, Bestowing of the ranking or the grade. I'm prepared. I will allow you to have the first grade. I am willing to give this the highest honor. I am willing to give this a watch this immediately. (gasps) Be still my heart. I think this was an excellent album. And I think this is... I, I think this crystallizes a very specific period in the early 90s that, again, is too relevant today. Yes. And I I was there for it. I was, you know, I think this is a great album, and I'm mm. glad that I got to listen to it. So I'm mm. glad that you forced me to listen to this album that I might never have actually given a shot. I am, uh, I'm going to follow your watch this immediately. Okay, so we now have... Two in the pan. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. I'm sure if uh, we, if we need to tweet, uh, need to tweet Ice Cube and say you are, your album is as good as Smokey and the Bandit. That's right. <laughs> as, as determined by this podcast, Smokey and the Bandit and, and the Predator. The Predator. Yeah, wonderful. Like this. <laughs> Two as one. You know, I mean, Smokey and the Bandit that probably maybe inspired some of his film work. Who knows? <laughs> if, if ever there was a, a film career inspired by Smokey and the Bandit, I'd say it was Ice Cube's. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Oof. This is a man who was like, I want to follow the Jerry Reed model of That's film right. success. <laughs> the uh, what's his face? The, the the little the little person was uh, was was the Buford Justice figure. <laughs> I guess I was Devo, but I, I feel like I feel like the little dude should Mister Parker. I feel like he should be Buford Justice. I agree. Yeah. But yeah, so fantastic. Um, that being said, 
it's your turn for what we uh, listen to slash watch next, man. I'm going to keep it in a similar vein here. I'm okay. going to go with something that is equally valid today as it was back when it was released. Oh. And we are going to watch 1972's Blazing Saddles. Oh, okay, this okay. a classic of the comedy genre. One of the top ten grossing movies of the year. Oh. Mel Brooks, one of, well, he had two movies in the top ten in 1972. Uh, Young Frankenstein, or maybe it was, it, oh. it was one of the years, one year in the 70s, he had two movies in the top ten. Frankenstein, oh, no. Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles. My wife loves Young Frankenstein. It's a classic. Yeah, man, that's, that's, one, of the, that's one of the movies we watched when we first got together. This is this is the one that hits more for me, um, partially because it has it was co-written by Richard Pryor and his writers. Oh, so it has a Richard Pryor sense of humor, which I love. You know, I'm I could definitely I could Pryor. definitely see that now that I mean now that you've revealed this to me because I've seen a part of this movie. Mm-hmm. But like I said, the, you know, before we started recording, the vibes were a little off. I never finished it. I think it's time to rectify that issue. This is one of the great movies of the 70s and one of the great American comedies. And comedy usually does not age well. This one, unfortunately, does. Oh. I think it is Uh-oh. one of the few comedies, because, I mean, you watch a comedy that's, I mean, this is almost uh, 50 years old yeah, at this 50, point. Yeah. Um, or more than 50 years old. You watch a comedy that's 50 years old. It's, it's way more cringy. Than you would like. It's probably not even funny anymore. You know, the the mores of society have passed it by because that's just how comedy is. Um, and it's been a while since I've watched Blazing Saddles, but I I'm unfortunately very confident that Blazing Saddles holds up very well still. You know, that's the thing with like like Richard Pryor, George Carlin, those two guys. They were able to get to the heart of race, racial matters in such a an effective and timeless way. True. That I could, I could see that being a somewhat timeless movie if Richard Pryor was involved. Yeah. So, Blazing Saddles. That is Super. your assignment. All righty. Well, until next time. Watch this immediately. Peace. Watch this immediately. Watch this immediately.